stop whining and pull this car over. I will pull this car over. I am serious. Hi, this is Krista Bontrager, and I want to welcome you to the Points of Interest podcast, part of the Route 66 campaign for 2013, sponsored by Grace Church of Glendora. This is the show where we give you a preview each week of what the reading is coming up and some points of interest to look for along the way. Are you ready? Because here we go. Congratulations, you've made it to week three. And this week we'll be covering Genesis chapter 38 through Exodus chapter 6. So we're going to finish the book of Genesis and get started in the book of Exodus. Let's get started in Genesis chapter 28. And right off the bat in Genesis 38, there's kind of a a very enigmatic story about Judah and Tamar. So you're going to want to pull your car off to the side of the road here for a minute while we talk about it, because it's going to take us a couple of minutes to work through some issues here. Now, Judah, just to refresh our memory, is one of Joseph's brothers, and he's actually the one through which the seed of promise is going to go. And so that's why he's important. And so he's the one that we've been talking about, the uh, seed of the woman, the seed of the promise, the genealogy of Jesus is going to go through Judah. And the purpose of this story is to tell us the history of how Perez came about. And, And Perez is mentioned in Matthew chapter one, verse three. And so the reason he's important is because this is the line where the Messiah will come from. And this is a a strange and and even disturbing story, and yet so important. What's happening here is that Judah has the obligation as the father-in-law of Tamar to provide a husband for her. Her first husband, uh, which is one of Judah's sons, Er, he dies because he's so wicked, the Lord basically puts him to death. And so then she needs a second husband and Judah is supposed to provide that second husband. So he gets another son to become her husband and marry her. But he doesn't want to produce any offspring with her because he feels like it won't be a legitimate son. And yet that son may have a right to claim some of the inheritance. And so he doesn't really want to have a child with this woman. God sees that as wicked and puts him to death also. Poor Tamar, she's gone through two husbands, two sons of Judah. It's not going to end well for you if you are a husband of Tamar. But the problem is, is that in ancient Near Eastern cultures, and even today in many cultures, women who are widows need to have a means of support. And that means of support often comes through a man, whether that is finding a new husband or a father-in-law or a brother, or they need some kind of man in the mix to help provide for them. Otherwise they are extremely vulnerable to poverty and even to falling into prostitution. And so with Tamar, when she has two husbands die, she has no heir, uh, no son to take care of her. She is alone and destitute and desperate. And so she kind of takes matters into her own hands to figure out a very clever scheme to get an offspring and to get her father-in-law Judah to fulfill his duty to her to take care of her and to provide that offspring. 
the clear implication of the text is that Judah is the one who's being sinful. While this is a, a, a kind of a difficult and disturbing story to us in our modern context, Tamar is actually mentioned in Jesus's genealogy. She's one of three women mentioned in Matthew chapter one as being an ancestor of the Messiah. What's interesting to me is that this shows that Jesus's ancestors are not always godly people. They are made of, of a sketchy band of people at times. They are sometimes prostitutes, Gentiles, adulterers, fornicators, deceivers, liars. There's a lot of different kinds of people in Jesus's ancestry, in his family tree. And we don't want to fall into the error of thinking that all these great heroes of the faith were all godly 100% of the time. They were. They're like you and I. They were sinners. Sometimes they trusted God. Other times they acted in their own interest. Sometimes they ascended to great leadership and then they fell. But that's part of our story too, isn't it? And we could I begin to identify with these people. We can begin to see ourselves in this story because we are not always godly people. But at the end of the day, the major point of why this story is here in Genesis 38 is to connect the line of Judah with Jesus through Perez. And we see that in Matthew chapter 1. Let's move on to chapter 39 and following. The scene switches to Egypt and we're being following the tales of Joseph and what's happening with him, but also how God is taking care of him. All of these little providential, coincidental things keep happening to Joseph and what we're supposed to get from that is that even though Joseph is away from the land, he's away from Canaan, God is still taking care of him. He hasn't left the presence of God. God's still looking out for him, even though he's sold into slavery, even though he's in a foreign country, and even though he's living among pagan people. And this, of course, is the section where you're going to read the famous story toward the end of the Joseph account where he says the line, you know, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Such a powerful ending to that story of the purpose of Joseph's life in the book of Genesis. I think that's one of the greatest statements on how God sees evil in the lives of his people that Evil happens sometimes, but God means it for good. People do bad to us, but God will work it out for our good in his glory. So some thoughts as you read through the Joseph narrative there. Let's look at chapter 46 right now. We're going to read through another genealogy, and this time it's the sons of Israel or Jacob and his descendants. And basically, this is like a census account of who migrated to Egypt during this time. And so it's wanting to give us a survey of the the clan heads, the family heads who migrated to Egypt. So that this is the purpose. Remember, when we come to a genealogy, we always want to ask, what is the purpose of this? And that's the purpose of this particular genealogy in chapter 46. 
And once again, we see in verse 12, the sons of Judah, there's several sons of Judah that are mentioned there. And we have Perez mentioned there. And the reason, again, that Perez is important is that eventually Matthew, we're going to see that he was the ancestor of the Messiah that would be born later. Now let's look at a quick point of interest in chapter 49. Chapter 49 of Genesis, verse 10. This is an interesting little verse right here. It's, it's a little foreshadowing of the Messiah. And so I don't want you to miss it and drive by too quickly. So chapter 49, verse 10. And this is a prophecy that Jacob is, is giving. He's blessing his sons. He's about to die and he wants to give them a blessing. And this is the blessing that he gives to Judah. And it actually starts in verse eight. It says, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. In other words, Judah, you are going to be the son that is going to be preeminent among all your brothers. You are a lion's cub, O Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes to whom it belongs and the obedience of the nations is his. That verse right there, verse 10 is key. The scepter will not depart from Judah. Who is it that holds a scepter? It's a king. This is a prophecy about the Messiah that will come and he will be a king. That the ruler's staff will be between his legs and that will not depart from Judah. So there's going to now be not only a seed of the woman to be a savior, but through Judah, it's going to be a line and an ancestry of kingship. So we're going to start following that line as well from this point forward in the story. Lots of great stuff happening here. Then you're going to wrap up Genesis and Jacob's going to die and People have moved to Egypt. Joseph dies. And then we have a time of silence where the Israelites are down in Egypt and they're multiplying generations upon generations. And then we're going to open the book of Exodus. And it's going to begin with a small recap of Joseph and then get us right to the end of the narrative about Moses and what happens with him. Yet another Jewish young man who in difficult and adverse circumstances grows up in the Egyptian system and yet is raised up as a leader for the covenant God of Israel among his people. It's a great story in the narrative of Moses. At the end of your reading this week, another short genealogy that's the family record of Moses and Aaron. And the thing to remember here is that these family records establish these people's identity. This is like having a policeman come up to you and ask you for your, your driver's license and your registration. It's like, who are you? And can you identify yourself? That's the purpose of these genealogies. It's to 
provide, hey, I have legitimacy to be here, to be in this position that I have, my family has been part of God's people. And so the genealogies are really the glue that hold the Old Testament together. So you definitely want to begin to grow in your appreciation of them because there are a lot of them. But if you could begin to understand how they're functioning, that'll really help a lot. All right, next week, we'll pick it up there in chapter seven, and we'll get in earnest into the account of Moses. A lot of great things are going to be happening, and we're really going to begin to see Moses in his capacity as a leader of Israel, but also as a type or a shadow of Jesus, the Messiah, who is the mediator between God and his people. Moses is a mediator between God and the Israelites. So a lot to look forward to. I hope you're excited. I hope the podcast is helping. Be sure to check out the website for the church at grace-church.com because there's a lot of other interesting and great resources there. One of which is a feature where you can ask a question. If you have a question about something that you're reading, you can ask that on the website. Thanks once again for joining us. It's my pleasure to be able to go through God's word with you this year. I hope the points of interest are helping you along the way. Thanks and God bless. Are we there yet? We'll get there when we get there. <laughs>